signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must eat America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late There's not long We need leaders Who lead us Not stick us and bleed us Then ransom our future And our children's That's wrong We must eat America back As liberty weeps Our forefathers Spin in their graves Absolutely, folks. We must take America back. Welcome, everyone, to the Republic Renegade Roundtable here on the 17th day of December in the year of 2023. And I have three of the most knowledgeable hosts that we could have in the area, I believe, anywhere with me tonight. And I am certainly honored to have all of them. Let's start with uh, Mr. Richard Carey. Uh, He said he was fairly busy, so he may not have a chance to uh, tune in with us uh, right away. But he will be with us. And then, of course, way out there in California is none other than Scorpio himself. Dave, how are you? Mr. Mike Gaddy, I am here. And uh, yes, I am in California right now. Uh, but I'm looking forward to our discussion tonight and uh, talking with all you guys. All right. Well, then we have that boy from up there in South Kakalaki, none other than Stephen Douglas Whitener, the thought criminal himself. Stephen, how are you? Howdy, Mike. I'm doing terrific. Thanks very much for including me. Oh, you bet, buddy. And uh, now that uh, we've got everybody introduced, let's uh, make sure that we uh, take care of the housekeeping here. Folks, uh, we know that times are weird, and a lot of people aren't paying attention. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, just as soon as everything falls apart, they'll blame us for not telling them. But we're going to keep trying anyway. And so support RBN. RBN is a lifeblood of free speech. So let's make sure that we support RBN as we move forward and also would like to tell you folks the book this week that is up for the huge raffle for the donation. The book is titled The Antichrist and a Cup of Tea by Tim Cohen. And the uh, particular um, book is signed by the author to Mr. John Stantmiller. May he rest in peace. So that is the book that's up for a bid this week, Uh, well, up for grabs, if you make a donation to RBN and get your name in the pot. Well, that being said, guys, here was one of the things that I I wanted us to talk about, because I remember this happening to me. Man, it had to be somewhere, well, it was in the George W. Bush administration. 
And uh, Bush made some kind of speech about uh, that uh, we were not going to allow people like Iran and North Korea and other people to get weapons of mass destruction. You know, that we, they couldn't they should be banned from having nuclear weapons and all that. So I wrote an article about that, and I believe the article was published at old LouRockwell.com back then. And my article was pretty straightforward, and it was this. Hey, how can anyone who believes in the Second Amendment support George W. Bush in this statement? Because why do we as Americans claim we must be armed to protect ourselves from a runaway government? And my question was, well, folks... Isn't the government that Iran and North Korea is afraid of the same one that we're, we think we need arms to protect ourselves from? Who's the allies and who's the enemies here? Well, ironically, I get a phone call from uh, NRA, and uh, they want to have me on a radio show to discuss it. At least uh, one of the hosts did, wanted me to come on. And then suddenly, not 15 minutes later, I get a phone call, and it's, uh, hey, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, we're not going to be able to do that. We're going into some other subjects. Sorry, bye. But, guys, shoot holes in my logic here. Is that not valid if other countries are afraid of our country? Why shouldn't, and we're afraid of our government, that's why we say we need the Second Amendment? Then who are allies and who are enemies? I know it sounds strange, but anyway, I'd like your response to this. Who wants to go first? Dave, you want to take it? Sure, I'll jump in. Well, of course, Mike, we all know our greatest ally is Israel. That's undisputed. Uh, just joking. With friends like that, you don't need enemies. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's a good illustration of why other governments don't trust our government. Uh, we can just kind of go with what's been happening with this whole uh, Ukraine debacle. Uh, essentially, Victoria Newland and company worked to overturn uh, the government there and stage a uh, color revolution and then uh, proceed to install uh, a puppet for the West, essentially, and a puppet for oligarch billionaires uh, who's looting the country and leading it into a pointless war. But then, uh, of course, we, we went back on our word multiple times, I believe five different times, where George H.W. Bush promised that uh, the, the West would not move one inch to the east with NATO if uh, agreements were signed with Russia. And sure enough, we broke it five times. And, of course, with the latest expansion of Finland, of all countries, uh, into NATO, it actually has an 800-mile border with Russia, and actually trying to get Ukraine into NATO, which they can't do because it breaks all their own rules. Uh, so that's just, the, I guess, the newest example of the perfidy and uh, deception that our government uh, kind of um, pushes towards the entire world. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Stephen, your thoughts? We don't need no stinking rules. That's the way these people think. That's been that way, uh, you know, from the beginning. This government was uh, not what I thought it was, you know, three, four years ago. I think that it's what become a monster like that Steppenwolf says, and this is the end result, just like you're talking about all around the world now, pushing up next to uh, Russia's border. They want more war, and it looks like it's they're going to use this cutoff uh, 
in the Red Sea, you know, they pra- they practiced with that canal uh, at one, some point. You know, now now we're going to cut off the whole Red Sea and see what that effect has on their economy. I'm sure all that's being data mined and weaponized and everything and thought out ahead of time. That's what's happening. So, you know, I don't see why. It, yeah, this is this government is illegitimate to start with, in my opinion, and a monster on the loose too. Uh, and I don't blame them for fearing it. No, not one bit. Well, buddy, here is one thing, and our good buddy Scorpio threw this one in there. Uh, I should check with Richard. Richard, are you available to comment on that, or are you still busy, buddy? Oh, I, I can make a quick comment here, Mike. Please do. Uh, Please second. do. Well, yes. I mean, well, based on all the research I've done on wars, uh, certainly wars and the latter half of the 20th century onward, wars are never fought for the reasons we're told they're fought for and i mean they are largely about uh, redistributing uh, power uh, wealth and play a strong role in distraction from anything else that needs to be accomplished uh during those time periods that that certainly is the pattern i've noticed mr gay oh well thanks uh, richard uh, a very uh, adept uh, comment there and uh Good old Scorpio, he made me think when he said Kagan and Newland. And for the youth, for those people who do not know who they are, uh, Robert Kagan, it was really big in the Bush administration, and he was also big in writing up, you know, uh, that uh, deal with uh, that uh, led to the invasion of Iraq after Bush took office. And his wife is the wonderful Victoria Newland, who turned Ukraine upside down in 2014, working for Hillary Clinton. So you can see husband and wife working for different sides of the political spectrum, pushing everything in the same direction. Folks, I don't know how many times you need the alarm clock to go off before you wake up. But here, and here's one of the things that made me think of that, Dave. And then I'm, I want you gentlemen's comments on this, too. And I'm going to take us back to 1932. In 1932, Joseph Stalin declared war on his own people. Now, this is relevant. He sent commissars Molotov and Lagar Kaganovich and NKVD, which came to, became the KGB, secret police chief G. Yagoda, to crush the resistance of Ukrainian farmers to forced collectivization. Okay, Ukraine was totally sealed off. Anyone getting any vibes here? All food supplies and livestock were confiscated. The NKVD death squads executed anyone who, at first, who was considered to be anti-communist party. Furious that insufficient Ukrainians were being murdered, Kaganovich, who got the nickname the Soviet Adolf Eichmann, set a quota of 10,000 executions per week. 80% of the Ukrainian intellectuals were shot in 1932. During the bitter winter of 1932, after the all of the food had been basically destroyed or carted off, somewhere in the neighborhood of 25,000 Ukrainians per day were either being shot or were dying of starvation and or exposure 
or the you know the natural things that come with it like uh, pneumonia and what have you and that is uh, pretty well documented by historian robert conquest and so the mass murder of seven million ukrainians three million of them children people and deportation to the gulag of two million more ukrainians where most of them were die most of them died was totally hidden by the soviet propaganda machine now you would expect that to be true for a government to cover up their crimes but here's the big question i need some help on here guys is why did america help them cover that up pro-communist westerners like the new york times walter durante sydney and beatrice webb and French Prime Minister Edward Herrall, I think I pronounced that right, it's H-E-R-R-I-O-T, toured the Ukraine and denied all reports of any genocide and, in fact, wrote very, very wonderful articles about the Soviet agrarian reform that was taking place. And anyone who spoke out against the genocide, they said, had to be fascist agents the u.s the british and the canadian governments were well aware of the genocide but looked the other way not only that but they became participatory in the deaths of these people by blocking any aid groups going to the ukraine the only european leaders to raise a cry over the soviet mass murder were ironically two guys, one named Hitler and the other one was named Mussolini. We covered it up and Hitler and Mussolini was trying to point it out to the world. Yagoda and many uh, Kaganovich, we mentioned before, Yagoda and almost all of the senior Communist Party and NKVD officials were all Jewish. Hitler's claim that communism was a Jewish plot to destroy the Christian civilization became widely believed across Europe, but totally rejected across the United States. Well, let's jump back there and let's uh, let's get uh, Scorpio's comments on that, buddy. Well, it's very telling that, you know, it's interesting that only Hitler and Mussolini actually tried to warn the world about this. I thought they were the bad guys. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's just interesting how many, you know, let's just be honest, Jews were involved in all this. And, of course, uh, at the time in the 30s, the Roosevelt administration was up to its neck, up to the rafters in communist Jews who had infiltrated into the administration. And if we just fast forward to, to today, we have, you know, Anthony Blinken in charge of the State Department, and the number two is Victoria Newland, and until recently, um, uh, Mary Sherman was the third in charge in the State Department. All three of them being Jews, so that's a strange thing in a country where supposedly Jews represent about two percent of the population, supposedly. Well, allegedly, yeah, yes. really. Stephen, your thoughts, buddy? 
Well, I was just thinking while you were describing all that, it's like the same gang has got its eyes on Gaza right now and the way that they're tr- treating them. And also, it's almost like they've got their, their eyes on the whole world, the way they're cutting things off with the Red Sea, too. But it just especially was thinking about the, the similarity with Gaza. And I hadn't thought about Blinken and, and, and Newland being similar to the commie agents in the, the control in Roosevelt. I, that, that had not that, – that's, that's just – that's similar too. You know, it goes, same, goes back. The same people did the Maidan. Are they going to do a Maidan here uh, in 2024, I think, maybe is, is the next question. Well, that's a very good question. And, uh, Richard, you want to comment on uh, what was going on in the Ukraine in the 1930s? Well, it's certainly uh, very revealing. Uh, you had so much of, a, um, of an acceleration of the communist agenda after World War II. And, and look, here, uh, you know, yes, uh, Pretty much coinciding with most of the revisionism I've I've looked at uh, regarding the true motives of Germany, Italy, and Japan. Yes, well here here we see that we had Hitler and Mussolini warning the world, and you know yeah it's it's no coincidence how much of an acceleration of the communist agenda uh, and the destruction of America will accelerated. Post World War II, frankly, including just everything—the immigration agendas, and just you know the, the destruction of our meritocracy, uh, the whole the whole ball of wax. Well, that is uh, certainly true, and uh, one of the things that has really disturbed me in investigating all of this was that, uh, and uh, you know, I did spend a few days in that uh, big uh, building at Fort George G. Maryland, George G. Meade, Maryland, known as the National Security Agency. And one of the things that always troubled me, and I could find no one who could answer the question, prior to the, well, during the war, the there was a group of what you would call in intelligence operatives within the United States government, and they were known as the Army Security Group. Now, the Army Security Group, after the war, became NSA. Now, the Army Security Group had been monitoring all of these uh, communist Jews in, well, and communists who weren't Jews, all of the communists they had been monitoring in the FDR administration. And they had uh, documented evidence over and over and over again of how people like Harry Dexter White, who was actually Harry Dexter White, and many others who were, uh, you know, Whitaker Chambers, uh, you know, uh, Alger Hiss, so many of the Russian spies that were operating inside of the government, we knew it. But we were allies with Hitler. I'm not Hitler. I'm sorry. Allies with Stalin. So here we are being allies with Stalin. So we're not going to tell the people, even though our intelligence agencies are collecting the vital information, we uh, we didn't tell the people that Stalin was running our government as well as Russia's government at the same time. Now, why would Franklin Delano Roosevelt and uh, others side with a man they knew had murdered 10 million people in the Ukraine. 
Why? People, even at their highest estimations, they say Hitler executed six million. That means he got about half as many as Stalin did, but we became allies with this mass murderer so we could go to war against the other mass murderer, allegedly. And the whole thing that bothers me is that these these, uh, collective works that were being done by the Army Security Group became known as the Venona Papers. And they also showed how Pavlov was basically running the U.S. government, who was an NKVD agent, and he was doing it through Harry Dexter White. So, And then in the 1950s, right after the war, shortly after the war, while Korea's going on, Joseph McCarthy comes out and starts revealing all of this stuff. I'd, man, I would give anything to know where he got his information. Who was feeding him this information because he was spot on. And he was saying that the uh, communists, the communist Jews, have taken over Hollywood. They've taken over the news agencies. They've taken over everything. And, of course, uh, McCarthy gets blasted. You know, he's nuts, all this other stuff. But, gentlemen, if the Venona papers would have been published back then, they would have backed up everything that McCarthy said. So then we have to ask ourselves, why did our government wait until 1994 to declassify the Venona Papers? Dave, your thoughts? Well, uh, that's fascinating, Mike. And, of course, there's a long history of America bailing out communism. In fact, uh, there's no question that Wall Street tycoons, many of whom were Jewish, not all of them, but many of them, actually were the ones that sent the seed money to actually pay for the revolution, uh, along with some investors from Switzerland. Uh, And then, of course, communism actually would have fallen multiple times, even before World War II, if America hadn't bailed out the communists with money, aid, and food uh, to keep the system going. And, of course, during World War II, we did the Lend-Lease program, which sent them tremendous amounts of of supplies and armaments and heavy equipment. Uh, so then after the war, the same pattern happened. We, we sent them money, food, and all kinds of aid to keep communism going, which would have fallen uh, way before that. But for some reason, we kept uh, wanting that system to stay afloat. And uh, I think, you know, if you look into the communist infiltration of America and how McCarthy was essentially discredited, he was crazy, he was a horrible person, and, and just, it was all a nutty conspiracy theory. Well, it turns out the guy was pretty much spot on in everything he said, and he tried to warn the country uh, when it was actually happening in real time. Oh, very much so. And let's not forget that the origins that America was actually, and I know I make a lot of people angry with this, and it just worries me to death that I do that, but America was communist before Russia was. Because the uh, communists, the Marxist communists, came to America after 1848, came to America for, uh, you know, for 12 years or more. And during that time frame, they bought up almost all of the newspapers. And then they, uh, after buying up the newspapers, they formed communist clubs and they took over the churches. And... uh, just to do those things. 
and to get them promoted. So America's Bolshevik Revolution happened 57 years before Russia's did. So you might say that America was communist. And, of course, you know, these wonderful communists formed the Republican Party in 1854 in Wisconsin. And we know what that wonderful Republican Party did to this country during the war and during Reconstruction. Because once they came to power, they were in power for over half a century. So, but anyway, I forgot to jump back to my buddy Stephen and get his comments. Stephen, go, sir. Yeah, that's the first Bolshevik revolution was down south here. I remember looking and hadn't looked at it quite that way before. Uh, uh, you know, it used, I, I at least knew uh, that standard history was not accurate around but i didn't ever look at it that way before i met you sir and i I do that look at it that way now they lincoln's marxists i've got that book in there uh that yeah just what you say it's it's they came here and that was the that's the republican party was formed by marxists that's lincoln was the lincoln lincoln was the first marxist president basically yeah, I totally agree with that. I am just spot on board that that is exactly, I, I think the evidence is there that the communists took over with these, uh, uh, what, what we call the 48ers, who left Europe because they had tried a communist revolution in Europe, and many of them were being prosecuted, many of them were being jailed, there were threats of executions, and so they decided it's time we head somewhere else to get our stuff going, and so they came to America. And uh, we're uh, coming up uh, on the break, but I think we have time. Uh, certainly, we want to get Richard's comment here. Mr. Carey, sir. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, I was thinking when you uh, were commenting a moment ago, I should really revise my comment. It's more that a communist control was further consolidated, further consolidated in the wake of World War II. I Absolutely. Mean, yes, yes. But I mean, it, uh, certainly it was already uh, strongly present, as you point out, with a lot of your source document evidence uh, long before that. I mean, if, if only uh, rather than just inside the glove box of a new Ford vehicle, if only the International Jew uh, by Henry Ford was mandatory reading in the public schools maybe not as many people would have thought mccarthy uh, was quite so crazy but yeah no i mean it's 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 pretty clear uh, when you just look at what was going on in the 30s you know judea declared war on germany and a lot of those jews a large amount of, of wealth uh wealthy jews jewish power was already in the united states at that point when that um you know when that move was made by 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 their um you know their internationalist cliques so, yeah, no, I would just add that, sir. Oh, I think that is that is exactly true. Uh, it uh, They definitely, World War II, well, actually, World War One was a big boom for them, too, because they got to consolidate the power. Uh, but first, before they got the war going, they were very careful to make sure that they got that uh, Federal Reserve Bank in, in thirteen. And then shortly after that, a war follows. Imagine that. Your thoughts, Dave? Uh, it's just a coincidence, Mike. No cause for alarm there. Uh, yeah, and I'd just like to add that, you know, um, under Roosevelt, that's when we saw this enormous mushrooming of the federal government. I mean, there has never been a greater 
uh, rate of growth. I mean, we saw the government go from fairly small to being enormous during what what was he president for 12 years, I think, or almost 12 years. So, uh, and of course, the war effort, great, especially the Second World War effort really helped that along because everyone had to pitch in to stop the evil fascist or else the whole world's going to come to an end. And of course, all, you know, so many agencies were, were actually created during Roosevelt. And I'd, I'd also point out that both World War One and World War Two were extremely unpopular at the outset with the American people. Woodrow Wilson had campaigned on his re-election campaign promising to keep Americans out of that European war. And of course, once he gets into power, he uh, gets the Federal Reserve in place and then uh, gets us into war. Uh, so, and then of course, World War Two. Before Pearl Harbor, 80% of the American people were against being involved in that war because the memory of World War One was still very fresh in their minds. The meat grinder uh, aspect of the war was very fresh. And very and much so. We got, we got a break. Yes, Hold sir. on there, Dave. We got a break coming, buddy, and we'll be back on the other side. Hold on to that thought. I want to hear the rest of it. Thank you. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. 
Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or... Welcome back, folks, to Republic Renegade Roundtable here on the 17th day of December in the year of 2023. And as the break came on there, we had uh, a comment, and I I feel bad when we split a comment, but uh, Scorpio, put it all in a bucket. Throw it at us again. Okay, I'll put it in a bucket. Well, I was just, you know, saying that both these wars, World War I and II, were extremely unpopular with the American public. And, you know, Wilson actually had to send gangs of government thugs to harass young people to, to get them to sign up for the war. And um, the other thing about World War One, a lot of people don't know, is that a lot of American soldiers actually abandoned their posts and disappeared into the countryside uh, and went AWOL and basically, uh, you know, disappeared into the country they were in. And uh, there's a book called uh, Johnny Sold His Gun, where, you know, these soldiers sold their guns and just disappeared and tried to marry a girl and just get out of the whole war because they really didn't want to be fighting. And, of course, World War II was 80 percent of the American public was completely against it until, of course, Pearl Harbor happened, which, of course, as we know, is a false flag. Day of Deceit, uh, the book uh, actually proves that beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's not a conspiracy theory. This guy actually gets all the primary source documents to prove that Roosevelt and the company knew the attack was coming. Coming, They actually um, exacerbated it, encouraged it, and then allowed it to happen, even um, taking all the leave away from sailors so that they'd all be on the ships to get maximum number of casualties. Operation Snow. 
that uh, it proves it unequivocally that uh, you know Stalin planned uh, and gave the orders to Pavlov, and Pavlov gave them to Harry Dexter White. Harry Dexter White gave them to FDR, and we immediately blockaded the Japanese from any uh, petroleum resources and uh, quite a few other things that we blockaded, rubber, the things we blockaded in the Pacific, and we forced Japan to make their attack on America. It's it's really simple, folks, if you really look at it. If you have the courage to handle the truth, and there's about 300 million people in this country who do not have that courage. Stephen, your thoughts, my friend? No, they don't. Uh, most, but it also kept the Japanese ambassadors waiting long while they, uh, so that they could only come and couldn't give their declaration or their letter before the attack or to coincide with it. it made it look like a sneak attack when they were there to inform them beforehand is, is, you know, that, that, that too, you know, they wanted to, the American people patriotic. They wanted us to go die for them. I'm sick of, you know, just, it really is gets sickening when I see all the guy, people I've known that have been affected by these wars. And I was just thinking how horrible it must be on Ukraine right now, going rounding people up to go fight. They were going out with big vans and throwing them in there. So it's just, it's like, that's modern day Stalingrad there in Ukraine. It's all, it seems like. Oh, very much so, Richard. Your thoughts, sir? Well, it it is interesting when you look at the average American uh, recalling uh, how we got into World War II. Who, who doesn't know any of this revisionist uh, intel? And I mean, they don't really seem to have much uh, empathy for what took place at Hiroshima, Nagasaki. Certainly don't know about uh, the firebombing at uh, Dresden and Hamburg after the war. Oh, my. But, I mean, yeah, no, they, they seem to... Ha- this Americanism, uh, which was generated in the late 20th century, had absolutely no empathy for enemy casualties. This completely believed... Um, you know, our side, uh, you know, is on the side of, of good and, and, and righteousness and anyone on the other side, you know, no matter what their status in the hierarchy, be damned. Oh, excellent comment. And uh, guys, there's something here I've got to read. I've got to read these. <clears throat> and these are, pardon me, these are documented. Again, this is not my opinion. We are in a world where, at one time in America, facts formed opinions. We have transformed ourselves into a country where opinions become facts. And that is destroying us on a big, big scale. But here, I've got to read these. These are official. Okay, the first thing I'm going to read you is from a 1936. Now, remember the date. Dates are important. A broadcast in London by Winston Churchill, and here's what he said. Now remember, 1936, quote, we will force this war upon Hitler if he wants it or not, 1936. Then, in a letter to General Robert E. Wood of the United States Army, In 1936, same year, Winston Churchill sends this 
this is part of a, a letter sent to him, and it says, Germany becomes too powerful. We have to crush it, unquote. All right, then let's jump forward and let's look at a quote from Winston Churchill's book, which you can find at Amazon, folks, today, and it's called The Second World War. It was published in 1960. Now, listen to this. This is, if this doesn't slap you in the mouth, uh, I'll worry about you. Quote, Germany's unforgivable crime before World War II was its attempt to loosen its economy out of the world trade system, think Jewish bankers, and to build up its own exchange system from which the world finance cabal couldn't profit anymore. We butchered the wrong pig, unquote. Then let's go to another quote. Winston Churchill to President Harry S. Truman in 1946 from an official letter, folks. Here it is. Quote, the war wasn't only about abolishing fascism, but we had to conquer the sales markets. We could have, if we had intended so, prevented this war from breaking out without firing one shot but we didn't want to, unquote. Next quote. This one was from Winston Churchill in the London Times in 1919 at the end of World War I. Quote, should Germany merchandise again in the next 50 years, we have led this war in vain, unquote. What does that tell you why we have wars? He just told you why we have wars. Okay, next, Winston Churchill, in the autumn of 1939, in a London broadcast, quote, This war is an English war, and its goal is the destruction of Germany, unquote. This is 1939, people. Okay, next quote. And this was from Major General J.F.C. Fuller, who was the historian for England. Now listen to this one. Quote, not the political doctrine of Hitler has hurled us into this war. The reason was the success of his increase in building a new economy. The roots of war were envy, greed, and fear. Unquote. Next quote. And this one is in the Sunday Correspondent in London, England, on the 17th day of September, 1989. Quote. We didn't go to war in 1939 to save Germany from Hitler or the continent from fascism. Just like in 1914, we went to war for the not lesser noble cause that we couldn't accept a German hegemony over Europe. And that was in the Sunday Correspondent. Right now, a quote from Lord Halifax, English ambassador in Washington, again the year 1939. Here's what Lord Halifax had to say. Quote, Now we have forced Hitler to war. 
so he no longer can peacefully annihilate one piece of the Treaty of Versailles after the other, unquote. All right, let's jump to the next quote. And this one comes from Churchill's chief counselor, Robert Lord Vansittart, September 1940, to English Foreign Minister Lord Halifax. Quote, the enemy is the German Reich, and it is not Nazism. And those who still haven't understood this haven't understood anything, unquote. Now, listen to this one. This one came from the Polish ambassador in France on the 15th day of August, 1939. Quote, it will be the Polish army that will invade Germany on the first day of the war, unquote. How did the Polish ambassador know that? And why was it said that it was the Germans who invaded Poland? Hmm, okay. Let's uh, move on to, uh, wow, this one is going to be hard for me to pronounce, folks, so please bear with me. And this one comes from Eugen Gerstenmeier, president of the German Bundestag since 1954, and he was a, remember, he was a member of the resistance group, and I can't even begin to pronounce that during World War II. But here's his quote. What we didn't want to comprehend in the German anti-Hitler resistance during war, we learned completely afterwards. This was not a war against Hitler and fascism. This was a war against the German people. Unquote. All right, now let's see what we've got here. Here's a good one from Sir Hartley Shawcross, British chief accuser in the Nuremberg Trials. Okay, you ready for this one? Quote, Hitler and the German people did not want this war. We failed to answer Hitler's numerous petitions for peace. Now we have to admit that Hitler was right. Instead of a cooperation with Germany, which he had offered us, now stands the gigantic imperialistic might of the Soviets. I feel ashamed to see how the same intentions which we accused Hitler of now are pursued under a different name. Hmm, unquote. Now, let me throw this one at you, and this will be my last one, and this was U.S. Foreign Minister Baker. And here's the quote. We made a monster, a devil out of Hitler. Therefore, we couldn't disavow it after the war. After all, we mobilized the masses against the devil himself. So we were forced to play our part in this diabolic scenario after the war. In no way we could have pointed out to our people that this war was strictly an economic preventative measure, unquote, by U.S. Foreign Minister Baker. Scorp, your thoughts, buddy? Well, that's interesting. Great quotes. Um, of course, Winston Churchill uh, said a little too little too late. Uh, but, you know, General Patton actually said some very similar things right before he died uh, under mysterious circumstances in a low-speed automobile accident. And, uh, you know, Ezra Pound, the, the world-famous poet and writer, 
who actually, you know, moved to Italy and broadcast warning the West and America not to go to war because you're fighting the wrong enemy. Your real enemy is usury and money on loan. And he's saying you're destroying yourselves by joining this war. And, of course, he paid a very dear price by having to uh, – he was actually charged with treason by yes. FDR and company and spent 13 years at St. Elizabeth's Mental Hospital. He had to plead insanity because they were actually going to execute him uh, for treason. So he spent 13 years in uh, St. Elizabeth's Hospital for trying to reveal the truth. Uh, many of the same things that you were just saying right there in those quotes. Thanks, Dave. Steve, your thoughts, buddy? Oh, dang it. Hit, they hung Lord Ha Ha after the war. Yes. The guy who was, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just they don't want the, the truth being told, and we are all the enemy, basically. You know, the war is always on the people. If it says it's a war on terror, it's a war on us using terror as an excuse or the weapon. If it's a war on drugs, it's a war on us using drugs against us. If it's a war on poverty, it's using poor people against the rich. You know, If it's a war on cancer, it's a war on the people uh, uh, failing to look for the cause of cancer and just treating more and more uh, expensively for the cancer we, that is being created. Okay, that's that's what it boils down to. That I that's that's just my opinion though. <laughs> no, many many times yeah. over, Stephen. Many times over. And here's the thing that really troubles me about all of this. As I grew up just like you guys, before you guys, but I grew up just like you guys. And man, this patriotism, this was something else. You know, America's number one. America, you know, and I'll I'll never forget a phrase in high school that just hit me wrong. Now, this is when Vietnam was first getting, uh, you know, first beginning to be ramped up. And it just hit me wrong. I had a I had a fellow make a comment in one of our history classes. Well, my country right or wrong. It's still my country. And I said, wait a minute. That phrase scares me to death. So what you're saying is when your country is wrong, you will still support it. Yes, absolutely. I'll still support it, even when it's wrong. Well, people, look how that has manifested itself into America today. Richard, your comments, please, sir. That is very troubling indeed, because basically what he was saying is that the leadership of his country, right or wrong, he will stand by and defend and uh, unquestioningly. So, yeah, so that is essentially what he's saying. It's, it's the mind of a, a trusting child um, who, who, who wants to, to stay in that, that safety net of ignorance. I, I, there were some interesting quotes. Well, all of those were very uh, powerful. You just read off there, Mike. The one about how World War II was fought for the same reason as World War I against mm-hmm. Against German hegemony in Europe. Well, I mean, German hegemony in Europe uh, would have also been, when you look at uh, the writings of uh, and beliefs of uh, Adolf Hitler in, in Mein Kampf, I mean, it would have been a pro-Caucasian atmosphere that would mm. that, that would have been influencing uh, Europe further. Uh, Caucasians flourishing and excelling in their own European nations. 
And we know that these internationalists, uh, you know, have had this long-term anti-Caucasian agenda. And so I'm, I have to, uh, therefore, when I hear one of the other uh, quotes you read a little after that, that this was fought as an economic preventative measure against Germany, uh, I'd say it was also fought as as a pro-white preventative measure. Yes, I well. agree. I agree. And uh, Richard, let me ask you very quickly, would you like for me to send you those quotes? Yes, sir. Please, I would appreciate. All right, it. I'll 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 be happy to do so. And uh, Stephen or Scorp, if you want them, I'll be happy to send them to you as well. And uh, yeah, so, please do. Um, oh yes, definitely. So uh, here is you know another thing that I would like to do because I know we get into these things. We're almost to the end of the first hour, and it has just flown by. And it is just an honor to be have you three gentlemen here with me uh, as we uh, pursue trying to get the people as educated as we can. And uh, so, but before we get to the end of the second hour and we run out of time, I would like for each one of you gentlemen to tell the listeners about your individual programs. And let's start with Richard. Richard, tell them when you're on, on RBN and tell them, tell them a little bit about yourself, please. Okay. Uh, well, my broadcast is now uh, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. And, well, I mean, my background is uh, a more of a musician. And I, well, had an interest in things like electronics as well, you know, growing up. I mean, it wasn't really until a bit later I, I, I got more politically involved, but I certainly always sensed you know, in, the, in those earlier eras, a lot of the, um, well, deception, you know, everything from the pharmaceutical industry to the war on drugs uh, to uh, other areas. And, and, and certainly early on, I saw, uh, I don't know, you know, just a, a, a preference our culture was pushing us toward for, for anti-white culture. And it, it disturbed me. I wound up being underground in my musical tastes more and more. <laughs> in my <laughs> teens as a result, honestly. Uh, but so, yeah, and I've had a lot of interest in, well, well, there various disciplines. I mean, uh, but I, I appreciate philosophy, psychology, uh, metaphysics. And I, I try to have a lot of uh, opinions. You know, the people from RBN, I, I try to have a lot of them on my show, a lot of networking. You know, I mean, a bunch of uh, us are, um, you know, varied in our uh, spiritual beliefs. And I think that's healthy. You know, but we, we want to maintain our, our Western culture, our Western European culture. And I think RBN is a great way to do that. And I'm an honor to have the slot I now have and certainly try to network, have a lot of people on the broadcast. Thank you. Well, we certainly appreciate you, Richard, for all your efforts. Uh, I certainly do. I've been a guest with you on occasion, and I certainly enjoyed it. And uh, I think you bring a lot to the table that the people need to know and need to hear. And uh, so as we're going in reverse uh, pattern here, uh, Mr. Stephen Douglas White, uh, would you tell the folks about your programs on RBN and a little bit about yourself? Well, I come on from 8 to 10 a.m. Saturday morning, Central Time on RBN, Thought Crime Live. And I started on RBN as one of Richard's co-hosts, and I really appreciate uh bringing me along richard it kind of i have to richard to blame for all this certain way he asked me to interview me once over facebook and i 
account that's been deleted now completely, you know, nuked by Zuckerberg that didn't like it enough to where I've been depersoned there. And, and, and that's when I first started talking about something that happened to me back in 1990 at a place called Aquatech. And then from then, I've been uh, just trying to learn how to do this uh, and learn the actual history of things, you know, because I knew things weren't quite right. My dad started me quite young. I'm uh, a little older than Richard and younger than, than you, Mike. I'm 63. And uh, my dad was one of Merrill's Marauders in World War II. And when I was 11, he gave me this little booklet called The War is a Racket. Told me it wasn't a game and that, you know, would you know, basically, these masters of war have been in charge for a while, and, and and that I should look look into it more. You know, and I started then, but I didn't really learn as much until I, I started to do this and really looked into it more seriously. And I don't know, speaking up has done me some good. I was in really bad health when I started this. I was three hundred and seventy uh, when I started on RBN, and I'm at uh, about one eighty five, one ninety now, and feel like a different person. I really like being in Mr. Stadmiller's neighborhood here, and I'm really glad to be here this evening with you gentlemen. It's an honor. Right. Well, Scorp, we'll get to you after the break, buddy, uh, because we want to hear your background in this as well. And uh, then uh, we're going to jump in even deeper into this. Uh, uh, what, what do we call them now? We call them, uh, uh, you know, what do we call them? Jewish mystique holes. <laughs> anyway, all right, folks, we'll be back on the flip side. Support RBN. Thank you. your inner rebel at dixie republic the world's largest confederate store located in traveler's rest south carolina the anti-white anti-christ anti-southern world ends at the asphalt welcome to god's country log on to dixierepublic.com to view our southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork at the store browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our johnny rebs gun and leather shop That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. 
email proudsouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. the truth you're listening to republic broadcasting network visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth